0: All right, podcast listeners, we're back. episode 36. Today, I'm with my old friend, Justin Kersen. We're going to smoke a lot of weed during this podcast. Uh, Justin grows some of the best weed I've ever smoked, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, But the crux of these interviews is basically to let, uh, especially young people, know how uh creatives have gotten to have the jobs that they have as adults. Um so I like to start uh all the way back in childhood and just kind of trace the steps um to where you are now. So Justin, uh where did you grow up? I and when?
1: When? Well I came here from the future. Um, Did you come from the future? We're going to smoke that much weed. We'll get to it. Okay, cool.
0: Um, I'm with that.
1: <laughs> I'm fourth generation San Franciscan, born in 1982 in a children's hospital in downtown San Francisco or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Not downtown, but... Bay Area kid. Yeah. And I grew up um, with the nice silver spoon touch of Marin County. Mm-hmm. Went to you know Drake High School, which was a replica of the movie... Um, Dazed and confused to a T.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe explain to people, too, that the Bay Area is broken up into all these kind of like little cities, including San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley. Um, San Jose. But that's the thing. Marin is kind of where uh, the wealth is. And, and well, I guess in some ways there's wealth in each place, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you can get into... Uh, there's
0: projects in Marin too, though, right?
1: Projects in Marin. I was going to say the music. We had Tupac, the projects, Marin projects. He went. Tupac to
0: came from those Marin projects. Tam
1: High School, right. one of the sister high schools of Drake and oh, Redwood. Okay. okay. And then we had right across from the water, Ben Harper lived in a houseboat and wrote oh, cool. Dock of the Bay I've been in right those there.
0: houseboats, that community.
1: And then Jerry Garcia left his body a block from here, actually, in Serenity Knolls. Oh, okay. Which is a get well center, and he decided to yeah get well to the next level.
0: Did he end up... Did What happened? Did he OD or something? Yeah. Oh, okay, see, I never remember even hearing the story. I remember that was a really big deal when Jerry died. I remember the kids on Hate Street were just, like, shook. You know? I actually got to see... Um, The Grateful Dead play their last show at the shoreline before Jerry died. Just happened to. Had some hippie friends and they were like, You should come. And I'm like, I'm not really into the dead. And they're like, No, you should come. That's you epic. Know? I mean, and it was been so fun.
1: Podcast probably just about that.
0: It was so crazy. Yeah, I bought acid in the parking lot and it worked. I didn't think it was gonna <laughs> yeah, <fun>. worked. <laughs> thought I, I thought it was gonna be bonk. I was told you could buy bonk acid in the parking lot in at, at a dead show pretty easy, but you could also get some really good shit. Yeah. So I found like my hippie friends told me, just find the like dirtiest, crustiest hippie that you can find in the parking lot and hit him up. you know, And if they I can tell that, that you know what you're talking about, they'll give you good shit. And uh, yeah, I bought six hits from this guy. I took one after maybe... I don't know. It seemed to work pretty well. Maybe I just wasn't... I wanted to go harder. I feel like I was starting to sparkle and stuff when I finally got into the shoreline, and we sat all the way up on the the grass, way way up away from the band. And I didn't really remember the show at all because I was so high. So we got in, and I think we got to the grass, and I ended up eating the other four hits that I had, and so I blasted off. I was tripping into the next day. Yeah. But that's my only experience of like seeing the Grateful Dead play. I really don't remember the music at all. You know, I was so gone. I remember the girls were dancing in circles and their skirts would blow up. You know what I mean? Like whirling dervishes. It looked really cool. I mean,
1: people can say that about them, but they went on tour with them through the whole summer and saw 20 shows and it's all one.
0: No, that's just it. Yeah, it was a a bizarre. Did you ever go to a dead show?
1: You know, the only experience I had with a dead show was the answer to that, no. To be cut and dry, no. But I went to Dark Orchestra and other ones in Humboldt. What was that? Was, was that a side project? Yeah, it was like oh. their cover band. It was basically the band without Jerry Garcia. And um, driving home one time from Washington with my mom and the dirt bikes and the truck, it was a traffic jam for two hours in Oregon. And we we're like, what the fuck? And it was a dead show that was getting wow. out. And I was like, man, this is a vibe. Because I was like, just a little too young to... like go see the Dead play. Yeah. But what you're talking about is a very important part of, like you were saying, where am I, where am I from? That's the foundation of essentially the music. Not the Dead. My parents listened to a lot of Motown. and
0: My parents did too. A lot of Motown.
1: But the Hate Ashberry, like my mom's experience growing up was very dead um, medicine associated. And then... Just that ripple effect that it had even into our generation through that uh, movie, The Orange Sunshine Theory, which was all of my friends' parents, they basically created something called the Hippie Mafia, which they thought if they could dose the L.A. water supply, they could have the 100 monkey effect and get the collective consciousness of mankind high on acid and have that effect where... You don't remember any of the Dead Show, but it obviously some crazy stuff was going on in your space to alter your reality. It was a heavy trip. It was a good trip. Accept I, the world I had better.
0: Tripped many, many times before that occasion, but yeah, it was a good one. It worked.
1: And that brings people into accepting truth and being comfortable with the unknown, and being more comfortable with death and life and loving in ways that are unformatted.
0: Yeah, the psychedelic experience in general kind of does that. Forces you into kind of a death experience of sorts. Especially if you go like hard enough where you kind of can't tell if your eyes are open or closed. I feel like there's a a bit of an ego death there. It's like, who are you? You you know, there's no relation to reality whatsoever. You know what I mean? And I think you can learn a lot from that. I think that's also the place that scares a lot of people where they think they're in a bad trip, but it's just like a step you know, and once you get past and like relax, um, then it, I feel like usually it has some great things to teach you and it, and it can be really, really fun. You oh, know, it's I'm, like, like mind state is such a big thing with psychedelic use. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm shaking my head here with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: And And when I met you too, like, I remember the first night we were like, Pretty much skulls press. I just got my back tattooed. We ended up like naked. Like blah, blah, blah. Like let me show you this one and this one. And we're just like, holy shit. I like, tend to be
0: that way. Yeah, with other tattooed people. Like I'll rip my shirt off. And like it's a sharing thing to me.
1: And it was just an openness to the truth. Who you are. Let me see art looking beyond right the ego of like, are you fat? Or are you not? Like whatever, getting mm-hmm. into it. But then also like when I when we talked, you said... Not that you're famous, but you're loved, I should say, by traveling the world so much. And hmm. and and being and you've done so as a graffiti writer, one of the most infamous ones.
0: In, yeah, among other things, for sure. But yeah, that was definitely an avenue of meeting people.
1: And that's always associated with, in my book, ego. Like, the graffiti, having to pee Absolutely. on the wall. Yeah. And when I met you, I was like, this is a fucking trip. This dude's, like, not there, like... No, when you talk about a
0: style writer versus a bomber. I mean, I'll bomb. I mean, that's part of it, but I'm definitely more on that artistic side of it where it becomes this deeper expression other than just egotistical destruction.
1: You're like a spiritual philosopher, like I was saying with the acid, like a new age healer or like path revealer or some would call it like a shaman even because (laughs) you're you're leading people into the unknown and making it not scary anymore so that it's a truth that people can accept and it's not just darkness they're like that's a candle i want to shoot towards
0: that i definitely don't think people should fear psychedelic experiences so much i think it's a dosage thing though you know you've got to ease into things just like marijuana you know you might want not want to smoke a whole blunt to the head first time. Maybe just puff it and put it out and see how it goes. <laughs> they didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, nobody does. I mean, I do. I mention it to people all the time. Like, you don't have to get all crazy, but sometimes it's fun.
1: Well, I, I love that about cannabis. It isn't that super psychotropic, I'm high the next day kind of thing. Unless I mean, well, you eat it. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes I took a lawyer out it, once and
0: it can get crazy she got laughs. so
1: high she was high the next day and was yeah. eating cold pizza the next morning for breakfast and yeah. i to calling sick from work and shit Classic. and i'm like yeah it's a beautiful thing that's right, just right, right. hilarious i love it yeah and that's uh awesome. but cannabis helps other than like deal with truth and mental illnesses all the physical pains like being a big guy gravity's always worked against you and being like
0: oh sure There's soreness that it helps with. I
1: wouldn't say professional athlete, but yeah, professional athlete, a semi-pro or whatever, you know, you skateboarded like a motherfucker. like.
0: Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, but just drawing, just being tall and not fitting in chairs, you're the same. How how tall are you? You're almost as tall as I am. 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, we're the same height. Yeah, totally.
1: But the, the tattooing, I'm sorry, the... Smoking in the mirror probably helped with atrophy of the hand after tattooing and just helps a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you were talking about the new one, how it absorbs faster,
0: right? Well, so how did you know uh, how did you grow up? I mean, did so you...
1: I grew up. Um, it's funny because I found a picture my mom sent me, it's like on 16 millimeter film or whatever, and cool. it's like her pointing at the can and like. Then it's in this pot plant. I'm like a little kid crawling across the yard, like watering and growing weed. And I'm like,
0: uh, oh, wow.
1: Huh? And I'm like, okay, that must be my postulate. That's why I came here. That's what I'm supposed to do.
0: Yeah. And
1: as I get older, I'm realizing like as close to my postulate as that was, it wasn't my true postulate, but my it was helping me as like people are like, why are you making art anymore? Blah, blah, blah. And like when my dog got Older and sick, I realized some of the more important things in life other than the ego. I thought I was gone with yeah. my ego, but I was like gone with my ego to a certain extent. I still have a spiritual ego attached, kind of. Of course. And I still do as I'm, you know, talking about letting it go. It's part of being a fucking human, I guess. Yeah. And the, the fear thing, like when your ego kicks in, it's part of Yeah. your run, you know?
0: Right.
1: Letting you know that you're stepping into the unknown and that your body's in fear that it could die if you go this route in the dark. Sure. So I think, you know, my true purpose is to be here and like bring light to the world. Yeah. And marijuana allows that expansion of truth to come into people and them to like find themselves. Cool. And ultimately like art brings people into a place of comfort in the unknown where they're able to interpret it and in interpreting it, they're expressing themselves. Right. So I've always kind of said, oh, I'm an artist or this and that. But ultimately, I think I'm more comfortable now as I refine it to just say I'm a healer. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of get down and do what. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're a medicine happens. man. You make medicine. Yeah. It's like most places in the world now, they uh, even legally recognize cannabis as legitimate medicine. So in that way, yeah, I mean, you've been a medicine man for your whole life on some level on that on that path i mean how i mean were your parents growing weed in the yard and it's just that that's how you were running into it as a as a little guy it's just something that's always been around
1: like when it was like super illegal to grow like five or six plants like you can do now legally in Marin in your yard i think my dad had like four or five plants and it was like terrible crazy you know what i mean so it was always like this taboo society Kind of like pornography to Pompeii, like people didn't yeah. know about it, but if you know that's another story, but like sure. it created a taboo by them hiding the art that they found in Pompeii away, and in right. hiding it, it created the taboo around it, so it was always appealing to me because I couldn't so, talk about just it.
0: Just to clarify for the listeners, yes, cause I'm when high they as were excavating... Pompeii, which is the city in Italy that was covered in volcanic ash almost immediately and people were even caught mid-stride and basically locked into position like vulcanized, like a volcano. Um, But it recorded uh, their society and the things that they had almost perfectly because it happened so quickly that everything was just stopped in time from the volcanic ash. But they edited what they found. They, they did. found all kinds of different things. But they found, of course, a lot of pornography and sex objects, you know, toys of all sorts, all kinds of things. Um, and they really put that away, put that to the side and kind of tried to play that part of it down in their the history of Pompeii. Pompeii has been coming up, too, in psychedelic studies um, because there's a lot of interest in um making the connection that the ancient uh sacred substances let's say like the eucharist in christianity originally Mm -hmm. contained Mm -hmm. psychoactive substances and what they're finding now in researching in places like pompeii with dna evidence that they had an active knowledge of psychotropic um, plants and Different things like that. They found um, little boxes yes. where people would have a variety of different types of psilocybin mushrooms from different places, and they were each had a different little cubby, almost like a like a sees candy sampler, you know. Um, and then the bottom of a lot of these um, vessels that they use for burning incense, even in different places where they were um, doing uh, Christian. Um, ceremonies they 've found exactly that there's cannabis in those uh containers amongst other things, yep. like frankincense and you know all the things you might expect from like a church you know, but that was definitely part of the church experience was to go you would take this substance and it would have a connection with God in this sacred man made space and it 's just been lost you know over, they hit it they over threw the it century. away they tried oh to- sure.
1: And we can get sure. into metaphors and I can say like BMW did the hydrogen engine and we can talk about that forever, but like bringing it back to, to this, it's like how many other sacred ancient cultures that weren't frozen in ash did the same thing and had these, you know, uh, oh, that's what, that's fear what and loathing finding. chests of arrays of different kinds of mushrooms. Oh, sure. Like, sure. I think I can say this cause there's no way to prove it, but like my friends are working with Dr. Dre now in helping heal him through mushroom therapy oh sure and it's not mushrooms you buy them at a concert it's like they have specifically this species mixed with this yeah. one at this array and this amount healing the science him. of all that exactly
0: come, yeah so far in the last uh, 10 20 years and and incredibly so
1: yeah and the science yeah. of cannabis is exponentially unfolding in front of us right. and you and me are old school we're smoking flower out of a fucking bong that's fucking yeah. awesome right now no, no. That's but that's cool. we don't have like a thousand dollar well, dab rig at the right so, temperature yeah and all i the... mean
0: um were you also drawing and stuff as a kid
1: so i remember my mom said the first time she cried as a child is she put out hand paints and i didn't want to touch the paints with my hands and why would you i wouldn't want paint on my hands it's terrible like my family was Kursinovich before Kursin, which meant oh, okay. we were Russian painters and you painted and that's what you did no matter what. Oh, okay. So I think it was like something in my, like you believe that it's not like the previous life you had, but it's the bloodline that you're experiencing of the Well, It's like elder. The,
0: the skills and the things that I was kind of born interested in. I think those are things handed down through my bloodline history.
1: So, I love painting yeah. and drawing, but I didn't want to do it with my hands. I was like, no, you put it on the brush.
0: Yeah. And, like, right.
1: as a little kid, I was already there with it. So, yeah, I'm not only, I'm fourth generation San Franciscan artist. My mom was a painter. My grandma, my great-grandma, um, a beautiful charcoal and uh, oil painter. That's cool. And then it wasn't just painting. It was uh, quilting and different mixed my media. My mother is
0: a quilter. Yeah, that
1: one's grandma's quilt. It's it's cool. It's a vibe. Yeah, cool like things cool. she loves like Ben Venom stuff. You know, she's like, oh my god, That's cool. <laughs> it's it's rad. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's her being a San Franciscan, being like, oh, these are what the kids are doing these days, That's and right. then seeing it from Guerrero Gallery, which has a different standpoint, and then being like, oh, this is old fuddy duddy shit too. Now, you know what I mean? So it's like this right. composed. New Age San Franciscan, then I moved out of. I think I chased your tail right after. I was like, "All oh, my friends are leaving. This sucks."
0: I left in two thousand thirteen. Yeah.
1: So I bought this place or whatever, like fifteen, sixteen, and then yeah. pulled the paracord after remodeling it.
0: Right, 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 right. Which so, yeah. Uh, uh, let's go back to being a, a kid, um, dun, like. Dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, when did you start smoking weed?
1: I started smoking weed um, my uncle's bachelor party's ashtray. That was, like, okay. the gold that summer. and we had a How old were you? Thirteen.
0: That's, what I think, when a lot of my friends started smoking. And it was, we're like, around 13.
1: post-parents' divorce. Great thing to, like, subsidize my mind. And yeah. I was, like, a freshman in high school. I was, like, low man on the totem pole. I wasn't like getting laid by, like, the hot chicks. I was, like, yeah, oh, dude. man, like, I need... Muscles in the car and like, yeah. fuck, I'm just gonna smoke weed with the homies kind of thing. Teenage dilemmas. Yeah, yeah. and that was like 15. But then also we were like the water polo team, and I think it was like the teachers kind of turned their back because we were national champion, blah blah blahs, like the fucking <laughs> mighty ducks. But we would go yeah. to practice at 6 a.m. lift weights, and then go watch the sun come up, smoke weed on the top of the hill, then go down to IHOP and like pig out. Then go to school, smoke weed at lunch. <laughs> then after school, either smoke weed before practice and go to practice again or go to practice sober-ish after lunch. Yeah. And then go home and talk about the practice and the game and smoke weed before my parents came home because they were yeah. divorced and I yeah. would eat them out of house and home and my dad would come home <laughs> and be like, what the fuck, I'm poor and like, I don't have any fucking money because we're like, Marin's hell expensive and it's, yeah, we got this house, that's it. Right. Fuck, your kid's killing me right but it made us a team and brought us together so like as marijuana does things that people are yet to even fathom that like our great-grandkids are gonna be like oh they didn't get cancer because they smoked weed you know (laughs) but we don't know that yet because it's not proven it's
0: funny like that a lot of the like the scare tactics have been turned out to be bullshit the things that they tried to scare us about with our health cannabis use yeah it's It's mostly garbage.
1: So this is like side note, but where the green fern grows is like a book. I guess we'll get to that. It's farther down the line, but it's like from when I went to college. So all the kids after high school were like, I'm going to go to Long Beach. I'm going to get STDs at Boulder. I'm going to go here. I was like, well, I'm going to make the Mecca and go to Pot World and go to Humboldt because Northern California is Northern California. You get to go backpacking. Yeah. And live the dream.
0: And yeah, for people that don't know, Humboldt County in Northern California is kind of the epicenter for weed cultivation, cannabis. I'd say on the planet. Yeah. After going yeah. to Amsterdam with you, which was yeah. at the time. Yeah.
1: And we were talking about numbers with them and strains. And then we found out that the homie won the cup was coming from Northern California up by Redding. And like it was just wild that it like made full circle and it was such a small world.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I went up there to follow the the dream, you know, to get my gold pan and chase the gold thing. And my gold, I'll get I'll get to that. I guess was a product that I designed the turkey bags, which actually right. like paid for the remodel on the house. That's crazy. And like, still is like a great thing in yeah. in my in my portfolio. But um.
0: Well, yeah, because you're. You know, above and beyond a, a marijuana cultivator, you're quite the entrepreneur, um, supporter of the arts and artists. Um, you make a lot of interesting art yourself, um, a lot of like crazy conceptual sign work and stuff, even. Um, yeah, that's just it. You're a. Uh, that's the thing, like at this point, uh, I appreciate you as a self-made person and a creative. Thanks, Mike. You know, that's kind of why I'm here talking to you, you know? <laughs> More bong hits. Keep them coming. I'm going to try this, this weed that you brought Oh, yeah, up. we're smoking the tiki rain that I brought. That's, and what was the other stuff that you had?
1: Uh, The Gelato 33. All oh, right. And it's funny because I'm going to say it wrong because I know nothing about sports let like on basketball, but is it? Gary, Gary Payton or Larry Bird, number 33? Oh, Larry Bird. That. I think it's Larry Bird, bro. Oh, I would not know. So they're calling it Larry Bird because it's a lot of 33.
0: Because well, there was a Larry Bird strain, right?
1: It's this. Yeah. So
0: I had a friend that grew Larry Bird back in the day. And
1: and props to the engineer, which was God, because it was essentially like you know, they threw some dice in the ring and they got a backs in it. Back, so that's yeah. how a lot of this genetics came to be from that side until they got the money to do it right and and that's a that's a fun game but it's been i wouldn't even be that comfortable talking about the cultivation side of it with you if i wasn't uh making that shift myself and my older brother who brought me on when i went to college and gave me his old equipment didn't have the farm yeah. with the license that because i would that's a learn totally from, different thing now yeah,
0: It's kind of like the tattoo industry where it was completely underground and kind of sketchy and somewhat illegal back in the day, if not outright illegal, but somehow you may do. And now it's like all the information is out. You can get the best equipment right off the bat. You can get the best everything, you know, as much as you can get the best inks for tattooing you can get the best seeds for growing cannabis you know
1: i do and with that you can read all the magazines and get all the equipment and still tattoo like shit
0: oh absolutely that's but, usually the case and same thing I with mean, growing the first few tattoos cannabis. are going to be garbage whether you have perfect uh, equipment in your hands or not yeah 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 no i'm sure the, uh, absolutely you're going to ruin quite a few plants on your way to learning how to do it. I've ruined
1: a couple. Like I think the first crop I like drove up there and like took mushrooms and like had to like spray. And this was before I ever took botany in college or anything. And I was like, got back and I was like, note to self, don't mix drugs. Don't like take mushrooms and work on the cannabis. Like, fuck (laughs) that didn't work out. Like, yeah, if you can observe it, you can give it energy, like yeah. sit with it, meditate, but don't sure. touch it when right. you're doing the thing with the thing. Right. Learn that the hard way once said and done. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. So now that it is what it is, like with that being said, it's like, I still have respects to, and I say traditional market, not black market. Like it's not only black people selling to black people. That sounds awkward to me. Yeah. it's traditional market it's been there beforehand right and then it's the new age market or the white market or whatever you want to call it but um, my brother essentially has a great thing going up there looking for investors to build it out as a part of another big new cannabis thing that I'm doing to essentially realign humanity with the planet in <laughs> in a recology process yeah with okay. cannabis Um, but I'm like, why don't you get funding from that guy? He's like, check out his Instagram. And I go and he's got like the green Lamborghini in the driveway and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's like, I remember when growing weed illegally was cool. Now it's so not cool. And like, don't get me wrong. It's the new way of the future. I can go to bed at night and not be a criminal. Right. That's pretty cool. But yeah, when we were talking about the path of a shaman or all this stuff, to say something that I haven't heard some of these other guys say, cause they're scared to say it. Like when you're getting your weed, like from like farm to table, you're cutting a lot of the, like we talked about how water becomes dead as it touches plastic. Oh yeah. Like does your cannabis not lower in vibration as you have to Peter to pay Paul to pay your taxes, to drive it to the store, to sit on the shelf, to get tested. And you look at the date and you're like November, what? 2019. Like, shit that sucks and that's like because it had to go through so many hoops so when you're getting it directly from the farmer it happens to be illegal but i want to say you're in a closer alignment to god when you do that when you're smoking the plant directly from the person that grew it and that's illegal and that's ridiculous but that's the way of the world's politics that we live in yeah. And when they legalized yeah. cannabis, opposed to decriminalize it, which I wish we could like go back in time and tell Peter Tosh, hey, let's rewrite that song a little yeah. bit. Um, it changed it, because I feel like a lot of these rebel freedom fighters turned into like passive people, because they're like, I'm high, like everything I was fighting for is chill now. But I'm like, what about the whales? What about the plastic? What about all this stuff? And they're like, well, I'm high, I'm good, I don't need to... like." Yeah fight for all that so i think there was like something going on there that kind of was interesting like weed was hella cooler when it was illegal
0: well, it was just different i mean it's still it still has a that's my know, ego that, talking that kind but. of societal stigma it's just a lot less now you know there's still a lot of people that really still hate it still you know, hate and it i really fear it and really fear people that use it and, um, Jazz
1: musicians in the 80s or 60s type vibe, yeah.
0: Well, that's the thing, yeah. People are just like, uh, I don't know. But it's it's definitely come a long way.
1: The pros to it going legal in my book are invent- environmental reasons that you can tag somebody and say, hey, you can grow all the weed you want, but you can't dump your oil in the woods from your generator. You can't do this by the creek. It's affecting yeah. the salmon. And those are things... From like, I guess if I was considered spiritual in any ways, it'd be like from a Native American standpoint, don't vibe with my feathers. They ruffle my feathers when you fuck with the environment. Yeah. So now if people are like, hey, I'll pull down my pants and show you my weed world. Yeah. And in doing so, they're not hurting the environment as much. Yeah. I'm with it. But that's the only great thing that I see coming out of it. And that's great to me.
0: Sure. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, when do, so when was it that your brother I mean were you kind of being taught uh, little things about growing it right away?
1: Yep. And then... So my brother from another mother, um, who I met in the back of Tai Chi class, eight a.m. at Humboldt State. Like, Classic. Classic. This is right out of a stunner movie. Fucking classic. I'm writing it all up right here. The whole yeah. rites of passage okay, right, that I went okay. through. Yeah. From boyhood to being a man. And it wasn't that I grew the best bud or the biggest bud or became the richest guy. It was that I came to a point in my own spiritual belief that my family and my peers and, and people believed in me and saw that what I was doing was, was good and from a place of high ethics. And they got behind me and like...
0: Which is pretty rare.
1: My family accepted me. I didn't have to get the crazy loan that you have to pay all the sharks to on the first time That's home loan thing. and shit. I remember you me.
0: telling me uh, you were when it first went uh, decriminalized and you were like, ah, maybe I should bow out now. I mean, it's going to be a whole different thing. There's going to be all these new players. It's going to be such a thing. And your dad was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's right like dude you're so good at this now it's finally above ground and now you want to get out of it and you have all these skills fuck that now is your time that's right step it up and you were like what
1: i appreciate you bringing that back to me
0: yeah right yeah Yeah. your, your dad was just like oh hell no you have skills like even if and especially, I understood his, his logic of just being like confused, Like, now you're going to stop. What a dumbass. Well, I think job
1: security has always been like a little bit of an issue in the back of um, someone in my industry's mind, just like in being a healer.
0: When it's illegal.
1: Oh, sure. Or. Look yeah, black market. <laughs> but so many great things in this world have been illegal, from like. Oh, sure. Copwaita to mushrooms, now they're D.C., I think like yesterday they became federally legal in D.C. or something, which is huge, um, to sitting on a fucking bus if you were black, dude. I mean, Jesus Christ, the things that have been illegal that still oh, no. are are sure. ridiculous. So it's for a matter sure. of, sure, I'm, this conversation is is awesome. And, you know, my great-grandkids may be like, my grandpa's dope. He took a stand for his place on this planet when he came here and he's, he's living it with his boy who tattooed him mm-hmm. and when you get the tattoos like that it's kind of like a rattlesnake head you're letting people know not that you're a bad person to watch out but that you're a dreamer and that mm-hmm. you're willing to live in the truth and be creative and if they come around you you might tell them the truth or spawn them in a creative way that they're never going to forget like that awesome book
0: yeah I can see that I was like that, you know, often people that get a lot of tattoos are just people that are really down for their shit and whatever it is, you know, and if they're into getting tattooed, they end up getting a lot of them. But I think that that's a, I think even for myself, like the level of dedication that I put towards tat- getting tattoos on my own body is symbolic of the vigor that I put into any of the things that I have interest in
1: bigger that's good right yeah yeah
0: it's like this like you're, you're, there's you're, only a few it, things i'm into but man i'm really into them just like you but we're talking see about relationships
1: even your women you're saying i don't want to sleep with her just for a good fuck i want to have an awesome aligned higher vibrational path with this person well sure i mean and,
0: that's that's the better thing i mean a good fuck's a good fuck too but like <laughs> You know what I mean, like yeah, y- yeah. I but mean, the
1: longer tattoos that go from here to here, it's not like that was a night after the bar. It's like you set oh, in motion sure. that to no. show that you're a dedicated person towards that, and then other You'll, stuff you're, you're stick talking with about it, too. Get yeah, it done.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you get like a ribcage piece or a back piece. You know, I think most people know you probably have to go back like a dozen times to get it done. It costs a lot of money, hurts a lot. You know, so it's this level of dedication.
1: But I think it also ripples out that, like, a guy who's as colorful as you, not just in your being, in your spirit, but physically, like, you got a lot of different color carbon on you, like, you make me smile when I see you with your shirt off. I'm like, that guy's fucking happy. He's like Care Bear, shining. Most
0: people just see the black and gray stuff too because it's on my neck, head, and arms. But my rest of my whole body is full what's, color. What's
1: that uh, picture you have with like the double hands that the guy drew that was up in the oh, studio? Oh, Sean Barber, yes. portrait of me. great picture. Sean Barber killed him on that one. So yeah. that's just like my residual image. Like, what dreams may come kind of shit. I'm like, that's Mike Giant. Like, just raw, shining bright. Yeah, all crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and like when you do that, it's people are like, damn, that guy's not scared of his truth. Like he's down for his, like you're living there is, in it. There is that. And that Especially scares people. Especially once they
0: get really visible.
1: Cause you're not going to be that six hour friend that's like, oh, I was fun hanging out with him and done. Like sure. You're fun to hang out with here and there, but like you have these friends that come around or these people that either had like disabilities and you remember them so deeply and endearing and like Mm -hmm. find something that you exchanged with them that benefited you but not from like a place of ego or selfishness that benefited you because you like gave to them like that gentleman with the comics man like that touches my heart like he was i want to interview him cool guy and like you got down with him bro
0: that's my dude man yeah yeah anthony's my buddy he's like he's he's in his late 40s like me but mentally he's about 12 and he's always been there so um he uh yeah he's just a fun friend to have but he has his uh ups and downs and his uh his victories and his trials you know um yeah god bless anthony i've always learned a lot from him and a lot from like especially how um rude people can be to mm, him. Mm. they over talk him or yeah, they just like people will talk shit to him like he like get the fuck out of the way dummy because he's he's a big lumbering kind of guy, and he's not that swift, you know, sure, but I think he's he's um gotta be somewhat autistic too because like there are certain things that his mind is like a trap with. Like if you bring up music, he can usually he usually knows like the lyrics, he knows when it was written, he knows who did it, all that kind of information. And that's what you're you know? vibing with
1: him. You're you're exchange- You're getting that in the exchange. Well,
0: so it's just kind of I don't know. It just it you just don't. blows my mind. You know, he's really fun. He, yeah, I hope I get to see him. When I'm here this week, he'll probably pop
1: out tomorrow. Blow your mind. Who
0: knows? Yeah, I might just see him out. Run, this guy's smiling
1: right now. This guy's. Yeah. This guy's got a big heart. Fucking everybody.
0: Anthony. No, but he's. He, I don't know. He's just a cool guy. Uh, like I like you're kind of seeing. It's just like, yeah, I vibe with people on a deeper level. It's uh, so my friend group can be really varied. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: and you've said that too you've been like these are my friends some of them are like shady fucking crazy motherfuckers but like they're all my friends
0: some of them like watch your wallet you know I'm sorry it's like that but you gotta keep an eye out
1: and I get it like in my world (laughs) I have an array of friends too but my common denominator with them all you're like that guy's a thug that guy's a geek and like actually you got that backwards but the common denominator with them all is that they're all honest and truthful at least to, it depends. to me, and that's depends. my go-to in friendships I that I uh, see.
0: That's another one of those weird conundrums. I think sometimes with, especially with like criminal type people, they're often like the most trustworthy and honest people if you're part of their clique. Well, thank you. But if you're not, like, you're, it's game on. I guess that's what I said. The most
1: honest and trustworthy. Like we all share that within, yeah, our clique. Yeah, that's. that's, And if you've ever broken it, then you know I'm not fucking with you anymore. Yeah. And it's like that ancient story, (laughs) like spiritual story. There was four tribes up in Humboldt. Yeah. And the fourth tribe they called the hairy people or the tall people. I'm like the giver. The more I tell it, the more I forget. But I put two and two together. I was like, that's Bigfoot. So anyways, the story goes that they <laughs> here we go. they eliminated, I, you know I wanted to jump in here, they eliminated Bigfoot from their group because Coyote tricked them to do so because Bigfoot was like living in um, alignment with nature. And then Coyote got his little agenda in there and then the other tribes came back and they were like, hey, help us, get with us again. He said... I never left. You didn't kick me out by you guys pushing me out. You guys left the aligned path with nature. And in doing so good luck getting back in and human consciousness has done that a couple times along the way. That book Ishmael talks about it, like through the agricultural revolution and stuff. Corona aliens. Here we go. And like right now that's happening again. As the greys, which are the aliens, the little green men, but they're actually the rise and fall a theory of humanity two times, two thousand times in the future, and you can't time travel into the future. That doesn't make sense because you'd be on a different linear time path. But you can time travel back in time as they did to around seventy-two or whatever, and
0: <laughs>
1: and they noted that this was the time period they had to. Alter Because if they didn't change this, we all became, like, left-brain thinkers, lost our sex organs, and, like, had to reincarnate through avatar bodies that were made and fucking died. And they said, this is the point. And, like, I thought about that. I got held stone, And I was like, oh, shit. So I'm just breaking it down on an elevator ride to the top of the Trade Center. But um, what it comes to is, like, so human beings, let's say 1 to 10% of us could die from the coronavirus or 1 to 10% of us could die from the vaccine they're saying you know 1% of human yeah. population yeah. could die so let's just say best odds 1% of the population dies of the vaccine if we all take the vaccine but if none of us take the vaccine 10% of the world population could die of the coronavirus which would be mm. pretty sad that's a lot of people yeah. but if we just tore the sheet or the yin yang in half white and black and humanity chose this is hard to say because taking the vaccine doesn't mean that you're not in alignment with God but I want to say like in alignment with earth dirt nature and not taking it and allowing the ones that aren't immune to it as like a scientist I say this, not a humanitarian I took fucking
0: yeah, I botany
1: you. not anthropology yeah. and 10% of the world population dies of the coronavirus the ones that are left are in alignment with the earth and to deal with the viruses and stuff here so maybe the grays came back in time to try to fuck with that because that's not what's happening we're taking the the vaccine and I say vaccine but I shouldn't say that because we're taking the corporate agenda because what we're doing is we're buying an uh like a way to not get sick opposed to dealing with it and letting nature work its way out
0: well yeah Yeah,
1: and what you're high
0: as shit now, but well, why you uh, why you
1: brought me in is because I have the ability to think like this because I don't go to a nine (laughs) to five job. No, me either. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to think like this. I do
0: think though that there's um, something to
1: being high as shit and thinking like this.
0: (laughs) No, simply that the stay at home order to on some level to me seemed counterintuitive. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be out there getting our hands dirty, mixing up our, you know, building our immune our systems, Immune systems, right. Kind of, we're supposed to be doing that constantly. Um, and also if it's a lung infection, it seemed like we would want to be getting as much fresh air Touche. as possible. And also, uh, cardio, you know, get your body warm, um, because uh, it it, it, uh, it doesn't last if you try to burn it you know it wants you to just lie down and like take over you. but if you fight it, I've seen plenty of people that did little affidavit videos on Instagram about how they fought it yep. and how they just you know you have to have like a fighter spirit that you don't you can't give up because it'll get you. But I think that that's uh, that was kind of my attitude the whole time. As soon as it started, I was like, I need to improve my, overall health um so that you you know because i thought i thought right away i'm gonna get this (laughs) fucking guy there's no way i'm not gonna get this if this is just how it's going i need to prepare myself for when i get this that was my whole attitude the whole time and i've never uh shown any symptoms i might have um been sick in i think it was february my studio mate came back from Asia with a cold and, he, and I got it. And we're thinking that was probably it. Um, but, you know, yeah, again, I
1: think I got it in November 2, two years ago. Though,
0: but, you know, they're saying you might be able to get it again if you've already had it once. So I'm just like, again, from here on out, I'm just going to try to continue to stay healthy and work on cardio every day. Get my lungs, plenty of fresh air every day. You know, and, and that's uh, just going to be my kind of program from here on out. Yes. As far as the vaccine goes, I feel like I'm kind of at the end of the line. Like, um, I don't feel like I am one of those people that needs to be at the front of the line, let's say. Oh, oh I mean? yes, I hear you in that sense. So, I'll take it... As myself, know, yeah, I'm tall and strong. I'm good. When it's time... I'll take it but eight years from now after I'd much it's been tested. i have everybody else... Be, uh, you know, for a lot of folks um, that have taken the vaccine, friends of mine, it gives them a great uh, peace that they didn't realize they needed, you know, Nothing so bad. bad. Because, uh, and peace of you know, mind's it's, big. It's Maybe the thing's a placebo uh,
1: from now, but it's giving people peace yeah, of mind. It's so, just, fucking. it's
0: been a rough year in some, you know, and I think that people they get vaccinated and they feel like, oh, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Yes. This has been the stress on my life, my daily activities for over a year. And now it's like, oh, I'm good. And risk I'm reward, okay, if that's giving I'm them
1: good. that, fucking go for it. Yeah.
0: No, that's exactly what I'm saying. And those are other people, if they. Need that kind of uh, but reassurance. But they're also the ones be that if they in get the it, front of the line right now, their
1: anxiety is going to spin them into like dying from it because they're going to be like,
0: "Oh, I got it going to die. Yeah, I like, think that's been a terrible part of it is seeing how uh, the people who are kind of susceptible to fear and that kind of thing how it really really hurt people. Mm-hmm. So many people really just didn't leave their homes for so long—a year now. It's just uh, yeah, it's just heartbreaking to me. And
1: and this might be the most uncomfortable thing I say that people hear it's about <laughs> spirituality. And that's uh that if you're like what you said isn't the most like positive way to not get corona, but you were like preparing for it. It's like you were you were seems, ready for it. It
0: just seems like an inevitability. And,
1: but you put in your space you put it in your space and you sure spirit you psychically and spiritually processed it and dealt with it, so you like didn't fucking have to. Whereas, like, it's kind of like the people that are like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no," and they're like, "Bam, you get to have it, and you get a car, and you get a car." Because, like, spiritually, right now, what's going on is in like I want to call it like the point of infinity because like, twenty twelve and twenty twenty one, between like twenty twelve and the Christmas star, like where the planet and stuff align, like. The point of infinity, like we went, we're going to like the age of Aquarius now. So we came through like this dark thing. And as they say, you go the yeah, darkest how, point how in life. You think we are in that. So we're coming into the stage of light, but there's still, even on like a pinhead, you can balance. So there's yeah. like that gray area. How much longer do you think, I think until
0: we get to that next phase?
1: You know, the guy Fitzgerald or Fitz, the great Gatsby, he wasn't famous till 20 years after like it. Fitzgerald. Yeah. So, like, maybe this talk isn't going to benefit the, our generation, but I'm fucking damn well glad we're having it because I don't want the next generation to say no one said anything, no one talked about this shit, yeah. it's big.
0: No, maybe let's just talk about the age of Aquarius a little bit. It's something I've been interested in. So, it's astrological on some level because, of again, we're dealing with the uh, the signs of the Zodiac. Do you know which one precedes uh, Aquarius? Farf. Yeah, see... But that's that's where we're at right now.
1: Hey, hey, Google, which sign precedes... Oh, shit's not listening because it's on mute, so we don't get... That's it. funny. It Please. doesn't matter. No, um, I don't, but someone right now out there is like,
0: da-da-da, I don't believe Mike uh, and Justin don't know it. No, this just it. Basically, the story, you know, goes that there's these eons, and there's different eons, there's different uh, factors involved, and in different eons, there can be a lot of violence and strife, and in other eons, there can be a lot of peace and growth and expansion in humanity. And, you know, we're coming into the age of Aquarius. But pre- preceding the age of Aquarius is supposed to be a terrible, terrible, dark, dark time like an Armageddon almost. And that's why I I ask you where are we? Cuz this whole pandemic kind of thing in the back of my head, I'm still thinking of the age of Aquarius and have always wondered, well how dark is it going to get? I thought how Obama we were on it our way out. Get? I did. And that's the thing like it got pretty bad last year, but is that really the catastrophe that uh, uh, awaits us before the change into Ugh. Aquarius? I,
1: I wish it was, but...
0: I don't know. I don't know. I think there's still a lot of darkness to, to be had before the light comes.
1: I say it like this. 42. The answer to the universe is 42. In Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh right,
0: I thought that's what that reference was. <laughs> it was. Yeah.
1: So there's a machine that really exists, like that movie or book, because yeah. um, it was great.
0: basically like, what What's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? Yeah. And the computer came back forty two. Fucking forty two. <laughs> 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 that book's so crazy. Shit. So, so that's some stoner. Shit. There's a
1: there's like, and it's in The Simpsons. They got a machine like that, like computes and, sure. and of course shit. The Simpsons. So they got like a machine that. like that. Then she passed away, but before she did, there was a very intuitive elder. And she was a healer, not a psychic. So psychics kind of just like a sorcerer. They'll look at shit, and they'll fucking win the lottery, and they'll manipulate whatever they got to do, and they'll get higher in power. And the next lifetime, they will be a fucking squirrel for the karma that they had. That's in my belief. But
0: Oh, I, well, I mean, yeah, I believe that too. It, but I like, mean, you're given certain skills and gifts, and you can use them for dark or for light. Yeah. And, you know, if you use them for dark, you might have some sort of, let's say, success in this human realm. But as those who believe in reincarnation and karma would say, you're kind of guaranteeing yourself a shit reincarnation the next (laughs) time around. So, yeah. Which is not cool if the whole point is to elevate yourself so that you no longer need to be reborn as a human and you become a bodhisattva, like a god. Um, Like a, 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 a bodiless spiritual being, your, your original, your origin being, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So to kind of use this lifetime to get over and be shady, you know, is just kind of setting your, your path. Well, in all your previous lives too, it's just setting it back from the, the base uh game which is to kind of break free of that constant being reborn 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 and know? the
1: and the trick of the tick is when people do it to be nice to make better karma for themselves that doesn't do it either no
0: that's even worse that's
1: fucks the shit up too so this yeah. woman being a healer wasn't trying to fuck with people or like give them too much truth because you can hurt people if you're like tell them too much about their future well, kind of shit. that's how the shame.
0: Freemasons are with their various degrees. They tell you a certain truth to get you to accept a certain thing, to prepare you for the next truth that they're going to tell you. And often, when they take you to the next level, they tell you everything they taught you in the previous level is actually bullshit. But we needed to prepare you for this this level of truth. You know, So there's always that kind of at play, I think, in the world too, where the media in politics and what, and what, are kind of giving us this version that they know we can handle. Yeah. You know, and when it's really just like, okay, so what is actually happening? You know, I, I don't
1: know. And I didn't want to point at the Masons or the Illuminati because I don't believe it's them. They're just doing their part in shining and helping the world in the way that they Should see be. fit. Should be. And, and I do believe that. You can't just like, you know what's the first rule of success? Don't tell everybody your shit. But, um, what a... <laughs> What There is, like, an agenda going on, and it might be, like, aliens or whatever, but in Hollywood, they hew at a lot of little things, and, like, everything that's going on, and not just the fucking Simpsons, but we've seen, either in some way, shape, form, or another, like, we were like, Mission Impossible 2 with the vaccine thing, or blah, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's all been leaked out there.
0: Oh, right, we were kind of talking about that earlier, how... It's almost as if Hollywood prepared us for an actual pandemic.
1: To dull us down to it. So when well, it well, happens, you know, it's not like crazy. you know.
0: And, but then there's the stoner flip side of that where you're like, um, or is the power structure taking advantage of these fictional stories that Hollywood mm-hmm. threw at us mm-hmm. that got us prepared for it? And now that it's here, they can manipulate it knowing what we already have accepted as how things should go down.
1: And, and then... Everything you hear, you take with a grain of salt to a certain extent now. So, it's like what I was saying. This this older woman on her last legs, she kind of slipped and said how much longer the world, I'm quoting, has to live kind of shit. Oh, okay. And this machine kind of said on the short side of that, like, if you keep using plastic and Coca-Cola bottles, like, six years. And she said, like, 60 years. So, it's like, fuck. (laughs) Excuse me. So, it's like, I'm not going to intervene I've had some drinks taking rips it's not polite for me to look at that right now <laughs> but in respecting that these two things from being a scientist uh, scientist and the yeah. machine said this yeah. and a spiritual person and this woman that I respect and her practices said this I'm like that's something to note right and it's unfortunate that my grandma went through the Holocaust and that we fucking finally had like a black president and it wasn't that like, No bombs got dropped when he was a president. It's that people around the world in Africa gave people hope as humanity. Oh, yeah.
0: No, that was a big deal. My mother uh, marched for civil rights when she was young, before I was born. And um, for her uh, to see Obama become president was a huge, huge thing. Yeah. And I'm sure um, I haven't seen my mom because of the pandemic in a while. But I'm sure to see a woman as vice president is really stoking my mom out, too. You know, for sure. Those are big things. I think we kind of take that for granted. Especially young people who are just kind of born into it. You know, or grew up when Obama was their their first president that they remember. Because they were little. You know, those are pretty extraordinary times.
1: And, and a president, it's a weird thing too. Like, I don't believe in voting for presidency. All you're doing is supporting the oligarchy, essentially. But I agree. I but agree. by having a gentleman <laughs> who's that good of a speaker... At the it's, end of the night, your kid goes to bed feeling good at night, and like your family's not scared as much end, as like.
0: I mean, the president—it's—it's it's a big. But he's just a talker. A big part of it is is the symbolic role as the leader, even though the uh, American political system itself is set up so that the Congress and the House and act and the uh, Supreme Court can yeah. check and balance what the president wants to do. It's not like he's just this dictator or the 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 CEO that just you know it's it's not really that way we like to it to, to seem that way cuz it's easier to digest and whatnot you know i do but in the end yeah i mean to me too i'm happy that there's a democrat president again personally but he was still a connected bit a to the dynasty of the Democrats before he was the vice president with Obama. I mean it's again the same it's like though, too. we keep having to vote for these dynasties. And yeah. it's like how is that any different than ancient so monarchies, it's, right? It's not and I don't it's support either, but me. then
1: like we forget that the Republicans freed the slaves. You know what I mean? So it's like.
0: Oh, no, the the history of the parties themselves. But they're the same fucking uh, shit, is what I'm getting at. Fascinating, too, because there was a complete flip flop, basically, in uh, ideology. So we have
1: like two beehives out there, right? And it's essentially, let's just say one of them's Republican or one of them's Democrat, and you can't go anywhere else. So you have to live in one of them, but they're both beehives. It's like, what about the bee that wants to make a nest on the fucking tree, man? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you can't do it, so he's got to go back and forth between the same fucking shit. Yeah. And that's what, it's like, you said leader, so it's like...
0: Can I have an apartment in either hive, you know? Yeah,
1: so it's like, hive, and I'm glad you say that. So it's like, hive, herd, and both those don't resonate with me. What resonates with me is pack or tribe, because I'm sure. a mammal, I'm a human, yeah. and we naturally lived in packs, not hives... Or squirrel, and we all ran in one direction like boar or cow in herds. Oh, sure. And we're being treated in these mass populations, fed and like medicized or whatever, as hive or herd. But that doesn't make sense. We're naturally tribal species. Sure. And as we... I think
0: that's a part of the experiment of America, that each state kind of has a tribal identity. You know what I mean? Even, you know, so it's 50 tribes in us, but within California, with uh, sports fans, so many of those people don't even play the sports they're huge fans of, but they take like personal uh,
1: because they love the city.
0: Well, but they they take a personal feeling of accomplishment in the accomplishments of the team, you know what I'm saying? Larry Bird, how could that not be more tribal? Like, you didn't do sure. anything really other than maybe pay for a uniform, shirt, and the ticket to, to go to the game, you know, um, and you really feel part of this I never noticed that. America, tribe. 50
1: states, 50 tribes, because well, California, kind of you, the there used idea. to be a thousand that's what tribes. That's I thought was
0: the idea. I mean, and that's, I think, kind of how it should be. I mean, it. Uh, again, though, unfortunately, in our lifetimes, we've seen that change dramatically. Regional flavor, yep. how slowly but surely that's getting eaten away. Even now, Texas, which had such a wonderful individual state identity. Texans, man, you know sure. Texans got a steer on the front of the Cadillac, son of a bitch. Goddamn right, Texas. But... So many people from California moved to Texas. <laughs> well, they moved there to take the <laughs> corporate jobs. Everywhere. So it's like, you know, all of these places are losing their identities. We saw that in the graffiti world. Each city in the world basically had their own distinctive hand styles, font styles, right? Now, not so much. I mean, you can find Philadelphia style tags anywhere in the world. It used to be just Philadelphia did them that way. You know what I mean? But now you can just hop on the internet and be like, oh, I want to tag, mm. like, a German mm. kid this week. I want to tag, yeah. like, a, you know, whatever, you know. It's, no, and it's, when you saw a new
1: style in someone's book, you were like, that is dope. But it kind of, t- it's
0: taken a lot of the, obviously, the uh, the magic and the discovery out of it. You know what I'm saying? I
1: do, because cannabis went legal, and it took hella shit. Like, I go on a website right now, and it's, the Philos Kingdom and talks about everything in a I thing and it's dope. Site. as what's I love p- it. I fall what's, asleep on it what's and shit. The URL. The it's the Philos Kingdom.
0: phylos p
1: h y l o s Yeah or some shit like that. And it's but
0: it's like a directory of weed strains and you have to be a member to
1: log in, so they take it seriously. Yeah. But it's member orientated and stuff, and it's you an go get it. Resource. You go get it tested, and you're it's like, probably this what is,
0: I should dig through to find some more. Uh,
1: I wonder how many of these new age whoop fucking do people are actually doing the research through there, opposed to just doing a new strain, but it's the same shit with a fucking different name. You know what I mean? Opposed to like reading th- it out and doing I think the research. It's
0: cool that there's things like Philos out there that are trying to Israel. solidify and scientifically. Designate this is this this is this. You guys can make up all the fucking weird names you want, but this is what this came from. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I almost moved to Israel
1: for that reason two years ago. I was like, this is the place leading the revolution on cannabis medically. The only ones dissecting it from a place of medicine, not from a place of capitalism. Right. Which what's that's the one shitty thing that's really happened here as it fell into the white market. The medicinal side of it, as what happened with liquor, it wasn't drink this for this and cure you. Glass of red wine, like you had tonight with dinner, is good for your heart. Guinness is good for your heart on whatever it is. Sure. But, like, you know, like the Marley song, a guest, some Guinness, a little peanut, dun dun dun. Anyway, so alcohol, (laughs) as you pour yours up, Um, used to have a medicinal side, but we don't even know that anymore. And cannabis, and we forgot about because the gummies, the blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, what, and you can't even talk about the medicinal side in cannabis without like getting sued or going to jail. It's like, you can't talk about it medically.
0: (laughs) Well, but that's the, it's the medical side of cannabis use that got it legal in the first place
1: right but now absolutely you can talk about we it you saw that spirit- on tv man
0: yeah. you know it just became part of the but that whole generation like
1: had cancer and they fucking died yeah. <clears throat> and so. now these entrepreneurs and this is where if it went decriminalized versus legalized it could have stayed in this medical realm for the science to really have at it in a gray area that corporate funding would have been too scared to jump into it so, with that being said, doodle, doodle, doodle. back to, like, college, <laughs> I recognize so was that... Was that
0: the going back in time sound? Yeah, yeah, the doodle, fucking doodle, Wayne's doodle, World. Doodle, doodle, oh, okay. I told right. you we are going to time travel, dude. <laughs> That's what it, all right.
1: So, Pulp Fiction back to the beginning at the end. Um, yeah. Like, in college, there was a company, you may have heard of it, Reynolds, and we were all putting our cannabis in bags made from rentals and they're right. fucking killing it making so much money off these plastic bags so i was like we have to do this we have to do this we have to create a company that makes this and we'd crush it and then i created tools of the trade talk global
0: that oh good i'm glad you're going into that it was just what i was gonna ask you to get into okay. because that's your kind of um what would you call it like above ground business the business you're kind of I think, known for... Yeah. um, In the art world, you've had ads of different things I'm sure people have seen. but Some of the stuff we did at Art Basel or... And you make um, real things. You know, you're not making, say, video games, I don't think. You're making puzzles and like real puzzles, media
1: dice dominoes playing cards
0: right right
1: and that's why i took a step back in that i didn't want to create more plastic in the world like we did those kick-ass fucking dice and when i was sure. 25 they were the coolest fucking thing ever to pull out of my pocket when i met you god from wu-tang clan and right you know, fucking roll dice with the guy.
0: My fans will remember the rolling high dice set. That was one of the, that was the first thing I did with Justin. How early was that in your company?
1: That was, I remember 2009, the first game we released, and then, like, we released it, fell asleep, hopped on a plane to Art Basel the next day. My buddy just, like, turns the computer around, he's like, I'm like... He's like hype beast, high society. Yeah. It was like twenty nine, thirty blogs of all the cool, hot blah blah blahs next to the Nike SBs and all the shit. And I'm like, that's good, right? He's like, that's dope. Yeah. And like we crushed it, and it was fun. Yeah. And like you were off to a good start. It was. It was off to a good start. Yeah. And then it like peeled off because. I didn't know what the fuck i was doing i was 25 and just like let's gotta start somewhere yeah so it was a great learning experience
0: maybe tell some people about that because i think a lot will, of young people are thinking oh man if i could just manufacture this and just package this in this container and somehow get it out that could work and yeah you, you made it work so you know first walk thing. people through the yeah. steps of that
1: don't start a clothing company that would be my first thing to say <laughs>
0: Don't start a clothing. Don't company. Don't start a clothing company. I versus wanted versus other uh, types other of things. things. Yeah, because you can make is a bitch.
1: Clothing's a bitch. I wanted to do tools of the trade. The clothing company and it was like, what your tool of the trade was was your thing. So you could have like guns on it if you were an assassin, or scales on it if you were a hustler, or sex toys if you were a, a sex worker, or whatever okay, okay. it was. You know what I mean, but I was like, and like the agency that I hired to kind of kick me off, which was awesome, and my dear friend Sean Desmond, who introduced us and Frankie, yeah. God bless both their souls for bringing yeah. me, me together and the homies yeah the homies um, they introduced me to this agency and they kind of took me and my money and my creative vision and like brought it to light and and that was great for the time being yeah. and then um I was going to say something before i talked about the turkey bags um just
0: well you made a lot of different things before the we, we bags.
1: did and then i guess oh, but
0: get, run through the just how the dice came together like yeah where, did you find a manufacturer that already made the dice and then did you put it in that kind of prescription drug uh container yeah yeah you know, so it was so a you sticker those things separately it was a sticker and
1: um, I went to the medical supply guy. I got the dice tube to make it look like it was in medical dice. Right. And then I went to China and I had a molded dice made with pips. That's the dot. That's yeah. why when people make fun of little kids, like pipsqueak, sure. it's actually right. rude. Cause you're calling the guy a dot on the dice, like okay. a little thing. Yeah. We had those done in Canadian maple leaves. Okay. And he fucking tattooed all over yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then the six was six in the flower of life. And oh, okay, it was right. two greens and a purple for the purple weed that like right. made me the man I am. Right. So in the jar it looked like fucking weed. And it was like yeah. super killer. And just like some of the funner heads that we pulled it out on just...
0: It was it, just a it, dumb little it, thing. So it lit yeah. people up and made them
1: happy. Yeah. And then someone brought to my attention as like Talk Global kind of came to a point of like infinity I should say cuz we got some mm-hmm. fun stuff that's going to come out with some of our homies again yeah. but it's going to have a different feel to it and and like my stepdad said to me once he said be conscious of what you create in the world and I was like damn that's heavy and I thought about it for a while and it wasn't just like I thought Todd was the shit I was creating dice yeah. dice the dice we made I looked at it like this kids are hustling selling fucking drugs packing nines on the corner all over the United <laughs> States baltimore whatever yeah and they think they can either become fucking larry bird or the drug dealer that gave him the drugs yeah now they learned about and this is i'm not trying to save the world but i introduced them to mike giant a guy that is a mentor of mine because you did the artwork and now they're like i can grow up because one of my dearest homies in college came from inglewood and i'm like what the fuck are you doing here bro he's like art kept me alive i kept my head down art 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 yeah it was either basketball selling drugs or art And I was like, damn. And that's where our world's crossed over was art. And we met in college and he was the dopest homie. And like, we would go out and just have hella fun and just rage. And it was just art that brought us together. And I was like, art is such a beautiful thing. I need to bring it to that community of like hustling that, Kind of made me who I am, the little rough edge of community of okay. like. Okay.
0: I guess I didn't know that part of the backstory. So I wanted, that's, that's cool. why
1: we did the Domino's, because like so many Domino's jails, the Latino. Who did you do the Domino's with? with? Jeremy Jeremy Fish, Fish, Fish the right. homie you're doing the release with tomorrow. So that was like Sunday.
0: the foundation of your kind of. Yeah. Of your, the company's backstory, basically, yeah. that it was these product and artist collaborations. Yes. Um Talk to me just a little bit more about the dice. Um, How much, you know, was your per unit cost?
1: So that's where I probably shot myself in the foot. I always wanted to make art affordable to everybody. And that was part of Talk Global. It was like you are with it so i don't want to yeah. say that about your art like anybody could save up and buy enough and buy your prints are going to I'd be affordable i try to keep it accessible yeah. and that's awesome and i kind of you know got that like i said yeah. a mentor of mine Mike giant sure. said you know give you know that's the best reward in life that's how you feel the best it comes
0: so back to it's like you build your uh, fan base that way
1: so i sold them for like i think i made a couple bucks on them and then like yeah. when Josh well, yeah, bought I mean, how, the how lot off, off me were they, i think i mean
0: we like you had the sticker the sticker the two dies, and the tube but so what else what was, was that, there like there was
1: bucks? paying the agency no but i'm just saying cost you know of, just to
0: help kids understand sure sure and this is so what so i'm trying to break down is like, like three bucks and then you sold them for six at wholesale or um, how did you yeah i say maybe the
1: tube cuz the first time we bought them we didn't buy a lot of tubes so they cost a little more so maybe they're That's like, just it. You get I, more, you like get a, a price break yeah, if you buy yeah. more units. So it was like maybe a dollar You 29. don't want to buy too
0: much cuz then you sit on some if they don't sell that one.
1: Well. And then the stickers came and they're fucked up. They did our logo backwards. Green was. on purple.
0: Which happens again. Kids should know that.
1: And then I was like, "Oh shit, like maybe we did it wrong. Like I have to just bite that bullet." And then I like looked and like paid my team another hour to look and do the math because yeah. that's where I meant like there's other factors and then in having to pay the agency to look we did it, we sent another email, we got yeah. it sent we got the stickers done
0: no, that's just what I'm trying to kind of get across you and know the that. stickers
1: were whatever they cost at the time, I don't know, $500 $600 for a roll and we got more stickers than we needed but we started putting those things on fucking everything and that was like oh, marketing well, that's another thing
0: too um a lot of companies will offer that make stickers now. I just used a new one called Sticker App that I hadn't used before. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, a lot of companies will do those ones where it's on a roll and those are often very, very cheap. Yep. You'll get like a thousand on a roll and they're like, gosh, a, a cent or two cents. They end up being each depending on where you get them from. Versus buying just a hundred stickers from somewhere, there's like a lot of variation. Let's say in price and in quantity, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we did that. You, how did you sell them at first? Did you already have places where you knew you could sell them before you made them? We
1: didn't, and I didn't know okay. shit. Like I went to That's college. That's a common
0: kind of maybe mistake, but it is. also you learn.
1: We had we had a we had a opening and release. Where everybody comes and drinks beer and, like, asks for them for free. And, like, you yeah. give them to the homies. And then you're like, damn, that cost me a thousand bucks. Right. And you, like, think you're going to sell them all there and shit. Yeah. But we didn't. So I think we had a distributor, a really good dude. And I still fuck with him. Um, uh, Dove. He did DKE. <laughs> okay. And he wanted me exclusively and stuff. But I was like, I can't do that yet. I'm just kind of. Right. I've always looked up to guys like E40 and I'm not signing. I'm, I'm making it on my own. So he helped us a little bit. And then Adam from Upper Playground was a fucking advocate, hella good dude. And Matt Ravelli. Yeah. And um, uh, Trevor. So Upper Playground got behind us. So, yeah. And then uh, Ruka. Right. And uh, a couple little boutique fucking cool to be spots. Kind of like the. What tri- year was this? 2009. Okay, right and then we hit the basil the basil yeah
0: art basil (laughs) yeah
1: like the next day and it kind of blew up out there and we did the celebrity brush shoulder thing and I think they saw it okay
0: kids should hear this
1: and um the most expensive thing was probably something that never it's like the foundation of your house it's not rims on your car you don't see anything fucking pretty it's dead in china somewhere yeah it was the mold to make the fucking dice it probably cost like three grand or some shit and i was like what the fuck this is fucking bullshit like
0: well but that's uh again if you can find something that's already made and figure out how to repackage it put the right artist touch on it You know, that's the thing. If you want to actually have the object produced yourself, yeah, you're going to have to pay mold costs and all that kind of stuff. And again, you know, if you're only going to make 500 units, you know, um, the cost of those plus the cost of the mold makes the per unit price really, really high. It does. And then
1: you start thinking about stuff like... This is something that I don't even think you know. I probably just think about it. Like, the dice came in little plastic bags. And I was like, "Oh, why'd they do that? That's like, A, worse for to the take environment. take out
0: of the bag to put it in the container?
1: I didn't, but I was like, it wasn't my original purpose. But when you right. did it, clackety clacked like, pills in the container, which right. was the whole effect. Yeah. And that's what we wanted. And I didn't have the time or energy. And it would have corrupted the whole project to time or energy, yeah. take them all out. And then I was like, why would they do that? Like... I innovated the California Freshwater Shrimp Project when I was a kid. Like I'm all about one eight hundred pot junk, my new project. Like I'm all about cannabis recology. This drives me nuts because it was more plastic. Yeah. And like I've seen you get a little
0: But again, you know, you're dealing with a manufacturer yeah. in a foreign country. Yeah. Yeah. Often those little details aren't explained. They think they're doing the the extra little bit to make it a special marketing product and packaging because it's all packaged yep. and you're like ah, oh, fuck i didn't want them bagged. they want to get scratched or yeah. something because even with like ordering t-shirts often uh t-shirt printers will bag them individually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is really nice unless you didn't want them bagged for some reason and it fucks you and then like you're saying you end up throwing away all those fucking bags
1: and it probably caught i probably could have saved with the wiring was which was like 40 bucks so that was a fun experience like going down to the bank and like having to deal with the international exchange and doing it before two o'clock and it's tricky that was a fun thing to learn that they don't teach you in college so because i grew up in a retail family i thought i had a grasp on business and i went to art college and got a degree in art and and, uh, botany because that's what my passions were and i got out and i was like fuck sitting there with like my dick in my hand like I should have been in the computer lab learning digital graphicing and taking business classes some sort of day job <laughs> thing yeah yeah like eh, whatever tomatoes tomatoes it worked out
0: well again though I think a lot of the people that I get on the podcast didn't do the nine to five straight and narrow route and that's kind of why uh I wanted to talk to you you know again you've just kind of figured your way through it and taken advantage of opportunities, taken some hits, always had your uh, cannabis cultivation to kind of fall back on and whatnot. Yeah. Even though that came with a lot of there a lot of pros and cons. I mean, I can re- I feel like I can remember occasions when you'd be seeing a new girl and they might have stayed over at your house a few times and then finally you're like I'm going to let him see my grow operation. And that was back in the day when it was still illegal and quite sketchy and whatnot. And it would ruin it. They would freak out. They would be scared. They'd be like, yeah. I can't believe you let me stay in this place. We could all go to jail for decades, you know, and it was this big fucking deal. And you'd be like, God damn it. Well, I got to find another girl. That one wasn't cool with it. You know, that's the thing. It's like a... It's somewhat glamorized and whatnot, but it, there's there's definitely pros and cons. It's a little sketchy. Any knock at the door, a little uh, at a weird time, is like, oh fuck, what's got, what's up?
1: Yeah, growing up, like we never, I guess I learned like kind of whatever the territory. We're getting to the end here, but like yeah. you never went to the neighbor's house asking for sugar or eggs in Humboldt County in particular without calling first. You could walk in on. Fucking huge drug deal or trim scene or just sure. something you weren't supposed to see, and you're like, God damn, now you gotta kill me now. I totally get it. It's all good, but like, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called. Yeah. Fucking dumb eggs.
0: Yeah. That's <sighs> funny. Uh, That's funny.
1: And then, like, with that being said, like, the turkey bags are kind of brought me to like.
0: So, p- yeah, uh, explain the turkey bags a little bit. You know, I mean, from what I understand, uh so I was making did all this did the did the, did the bags in general though I mean kids won't really understand if you're buying marijuana in bulk, yeah, right yeah. okay, it's gotta be in some sort of big bag yeah um a big part of it though, especially before it was legal, it had to be sealed such that no odor got out because a let's say a pound bag of marijuana. If it's fresh like it should be like that, if you're buying it in that bulk, it's going to stink. Yeah. So you've really got to seal it up. And yep. some bags are better than others. Yep. Now, what was it with the turkey bag? So the, the same bag that you would cook a turkey in at Thanksgiving, marijuana it growers started using those bags to package and transport cannabis. So Is when you that put, right? Yeah,
1: so when you put helium... I'm going to get into a little science so everybody can understand. When you put helium in a balloon, it will deflate normally when it's filled because the molecules in plastic, the atoms, the atom of pla- whatever rubber, the um, the neutrons are, have a greater hole in it so the fucking air gets out, like literally through the atoms. But the plastic weird balloons that like... Fucking Jeff Koons solds for $90 million or whatever. I see why. Because the plastic is actually polyurethane. And it's not plastic. So the atoms on it are tighter. So simple science. So the bags aren't plastic. They're polyurethane smell-proof bags. That basic, the turkey bags. The turkey bag. And like you were saying, if you can find something that you don't need to make a $3,000 mold for for dice or something. Repurpose. And repurposing. Just
0: in terms of like um, making money.
1: And that's where you're at, kids. If you've got like an Fuck idea a t-shirt company, take way. something like this yeah. and repurpose it, reuse it. And that's the... Recycling comes down to this. Before you recycle it or reduce the waste, see if you can repurpose it or reuse it because it takes less of a carbon footprint or energy because it's there you don't have to change it it's just boom sure so i took this thing and i just put a creative spin on it and we fucking sold out before they got here and my business partner basically
0: the same program as the dice where you had a product an object which in that case was the bags yep then you had to create say Artwork, which would include an artist. Yep. Maybe even as uh, you play up the artist as a signature part of the the program. Yep. And then the, the packaging. Yep. Right? So it's kind of just the three-part thing. It's and cute, again, man. that's what you did with the, the turkey bags. Yeah. And, it, and it, it worked really well. How many years after... The dice. Did you do the turkey bags? So I
1: was getting a little bold. We were doing games, and I was like, games and accessories, because this has been itching for a while. So I think three years after, like two thousand twelve, okay, you know, a learning curve. Yep, yep. And then I dropped that, and um, after a couple years of doing that, I started looking. I was like, I'm making plastic bags for a living. This is not using my creative forte to its fullest here on Earth.
0: Again, that's the thing with entrepreneurship right it did it take it it started running a lot of people wanted them a lot of orders and then you are to buy like, a forklift well, and am i yeah i mean what's my purpose here am i a brand creator and then sell it off or do i just want to work in a warehouse and just sell plastic bags for the rest of my life yeah. because i'm making plenty of money and it's good you know it didn't feed At my soul. At a certain point, you're like, okay, I've had enough of that. I've the had bags. enough. And,
1: <laughs> and that's where the cannabis industry brought me to a place that I wasn't running downhill nine to five for three hots and a cod. I was able to literally meditate on my not having my ideas in the morning, clear out my space, and letting the universe um, manifest with me, opposed to like, being worried and living in fear and having to go this route because of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, I'm even retuning that now. Sorry. That's my puppy. I'm going to let him out here and we're going to party with him. Everybody we're, almost, yeah, we're done. almost done. And, uh, and that's like bringing me to the next point. Like these podcasts are awesome, Mike, because you're really bringing people into a place of comfort and in an audience that necessarily wouldn't be talking about these vulnerable things. I suppose so. And it's just self and truth and the yeah. unknown and That's aliens cool. and weird shit that I know we don't see how oh, to eye yeah, on. Each, but yeah,
0: each uh, podcast has its own uh, range of, of uh, stuff, for sure. For sure. I knew this one would, too.
1: So the 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 light of the story is like it started as like cannabis cultivation, but then like as the industry shifted, you really have to shift with it. And then it went to like turkey bags and now it's. Cleaning up as the white market is just spreading okay. and yeah. saying, "Hey, all this waste, all the plastic bags, the marketing and the packaging that's coming from them now, yeah, um, needs to be cleaned up." And that's where my m- main focus is.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, go get the puppy. Poor puppy's freaking out. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in and. Well, thanks for having me here at your home and uh, letting me do this. Every time, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is going to be funny for me to listen back on. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) Right on.
1: Beers and buds and bros. We got it done. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.